Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome to the Law and Blockchain Podcast, hosted by Amy Wan, CEO of SageWise, a safety net for smart contracts and consultant for Security Token Academy. Hi, this is Amy Wan, co-founder of SageWise and host of the uh, Law and Blockchain Podcast. We have a special guest here this week, Ragnar, who... Basically, if you know anything about blockchain and real estate and tokenization of the stuff, he's probably one of the folks who's been in this the longest prior to 2016, 2017, when all this stuff was blowing up. So I consider him a veteran in the space, and we've actually known each other for a while. So Ragnar, welcome to the show. Thank you, Amy. Great to be here with you. Yeah. So, you know, before we both popped onto this recording, I was venting to you about how I often hear people talking about tokenizing real estate. And I'm like, oh my God, like there's so many misconceptions. There's so much hype. I feel like a lot of these people do not really know what they're talking about. So I'm super glad to have you here to help us clear up some of the misconceptions. Thank you. I could talk about this for hours and days on end, so I'll try to keep my answers brief, uh, <laughs> digestible for people. Sure. So the first thing is, you know, I just want to clarify that there's, there's really two concepts here, right? One is actually, you know, tokenizing real estate or getting real estate onto the blockchain for like recording and authentication purposes. And the second is, you know, actually tokenizing real estate to the extent that it actually becomes a security and it's tradable and all of that kind of stuff. So can you tell us very quickly, like, you know, what are the, the pros and cons of the former and then what are the pros and cons of the latter? And, and really, what do they actually mean? You, you hit the nail on the head. There's two different meanings to tokenizing real estate. And I, I sort of call it tokenizing the deed versus tokenizing the corporation. And what I mean by that is the first one, you actually take uh, the ownership certificate in the US, that's obviously deed, a deed, and you turn that paper deed into a digital deed, usually via a blockchain token. Uh, the second category is where you take a legal entity, such as an LLC that owns a property, and then you take that legal entity and you tokenize that and thus, you're not actually tokenizing any real estate at all. You're tokenizing a company that happens to maybe buy, invest in, or operate real estate. So they're, they're very, very different uh, and different trade-offs, which is, I think you, you, I think you asked me about kind of the pros and cons of both. Or yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, like, well, let's start with the first, right? Okay. Um, where we're basically tokenizing the deed. Like, the main thing I see there is the ability one one day of basically not having to have title insurance, right? So yeah, this is a big topic. So first I'll say that, you know, I've actually done this. Uh, so hopefully that gives me some credibility um, <laughs> <laughs> last year. And, and I have, you know, so I, I know the, the good and the bad uh, in, in a very personal way. So last year we had a pilot program in Chicago with the Cook County government there, the recorder's office actually. 
It was uh, my start at VLOX.RE, International Blockchain Real Estate Association, a couple of law firms, and, and a blockchain consulting company. So basically, we created the first ever blockchain deed that was recognized uh, legally as being a legal way to transfer ownership of a property. Um, so, so we did that last year. So we know that it's, it's doable both on the technology side and on the legal side. Um, and then I'll second thing I'll point out is that there's a big difference between transferring a property versus recording the ownership of the property, which um, we, we maybe we want to talk about that for, for 30 yeah, seconds. Sure. For okay. Well, as, as you know, um, in the U.S., there are two separate processes, um, trading the property and then uh, recording who owns it. So in the U.S., at least, you can trade the property peer to peer. Uh, if I buy your house, Amy. I give you the money and then you give me the paper deed and that's it. It's directly between you and I. There's no uh, government uh, in between us or that we need to first consult with. And then after we, we exchange the money for the deed, I would take the deed down to the government office and then enter it into the public record. So two totally separate processes governed by different laws, everything else. So uh, to circle back, when you tokenize the deed, that's what we're talking about, is just the ability to transfer ownership. Nothing to do with recording or saying who owns it, although you can do that in a separate way. So important, important but dry point. Perfect. So, uh, so do you want me to, should, should we describe that pros and cons or just go over securities tokens next? Um. Let's let's talk quickly about security tokens, right? So, um, you know, I keep hearing, or at least I keep getting calls from people who are like, "Oh, we're going to tokenize real estate," and like, "Oh, like, you know, like there's going to be, you know, the the prices of everything is going to rise, and there's going to be all this liquidity, and it's going to be awesome." Let's talk about liquidity for a second. <laughs> Because I'm just like, I, you know, I, I hear all these terms in the blockchain space and I'm like, I do not think this means what you think it means. What is your take on this whole liquidity dream yeah. in, in the real estate tokenization space? Yeah. So first, real, real quick, obviously, so the tokens represent ownership interests in a legal entity. So people need to understand when they're getting these real estate tokens, they're not directly owning the real estate, right? They're just owning the corporation. Yes. So everyone glosses over that. So it's to state the obvious. So liquidity. Yeah, that's the big promise. I mean, the, one of the main promises of, of these tokens is that you'll bring liquidity to a very illiquid asset, which is real estate. And right now, it's, it's, there's just no liquidity. Um, right now, there's a lot of property owners on the property side who want to issue tokens uh, that's probably 90% of the market, but there's, I, at least I'm not seeing any market right now to buy those tokens. So there's a huge imbalance right now. And to answer your question, there's basically no liquidity, A, because we're just early and B, because it's yeah. one-sided market. Yeah. Yeah. But will there be? Will there be? And is, is this whole like real estate security tokenization thing going to be going to live up to the hype? Eventually, I think it absolutely will live up to the hype. How long that takes, I don't know. But a good parallel is uh, what happened with 
the real estate investment trust. So REITs, you mm-hmm. know, I guess it's been, I don't know, two or three decades now. So it used to be, there was no REITs, right? You just owned a property in a traditional way, but then Wall Street got together and said, hey, let's make this more, more liquid. And so now you have a, a paper analog way to, to put all of uh, real estate assets into a corporation and you own shares in a corporation. So um, that's the easiest peril I, I can think of in terms of how this is going to go. So let's talk about some specific types of assets. Like I'm curious about what type of asset you think in the real estate context is going to take off first. Is it going to be equity or debt? Is it going to be, you know, large funds and REITs or is it going to be more like, you know, large um, commercial properties or even, you know, single family houses? Like what's this all going to look like? Yeah, in terms of asset class or type, I think the first that will really gain traction will be things that are closest to what's already in a REIT. And because it's standardized operating procedures, it's standardized you know, financial return statements, uh, kind of somewhat similar govern- governance structure in a way. So I would say whatever's closest to a REIT, and then it's going to be assets that are currently in a private REIT, so not a publicly traded REIT, because those actually work relatively well. Um, but the private REITs, you know, they're not as liquid and they're a little bit different beast. And so I also think they're going to be private REIT type of assets uh, for a couple reasons. Um, number one is I think there'll be more demand from the institutional side rather than, you know, homeowners and, and single players. Um, I really think this is going to be, have to be on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just the infrastructure needed to complete these type of relatively complex deals because just because it's a token doesn't throw out all the laws that you're very well aware of and know deeply. Um, so to answer your question, I think it's going to be those type of assets that will go first. That's really interesting. Um, I mean, I think... I think that uh, I like I can see like tokenizing a private REIT making sense, but I guess to me like that's a lot less sexy, a lot less novel because really it's 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 really the transition from like basically paper stock certificate to digital stock certificate, right? Whereas I feel like if you're doing on a individual um, or even small pool of large properties basis. Um, then you're basically, then it gets a little bit novel and you're not sitting there and basically being like, oh, like, uh, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's more interesting, at least to me. Yeah. I think what you're saying is that, um, if we were to tokenize things that aren't in REITs at all, like say a single family home or a fourplex, that's more interesting and compelling because there's no way to make that liquid. Whereas 10 suburban uh, class B office buildings, it kind of already is have some liquidity. So what's the big deal there? Um, But the reason why is because at the end of the day, we're talking about a marketplace, a marketplace for real estate, a marketplace for tokens, however you want to put it. Mm -hmm. And so you need a certain critical mass to even make a market. Oh, I Absolutely agree. Right. And so if you have, and when I say a REIT, it might not be 
the whole read itself. It could be break out every single property that is tokenized oh, okay. or it could be yeah. a read itself. But either way, however you slice it, you're going to have to have enough assets um, or at least tokens, a combination of both to create a market to where someone says, okay, I'm a buyer, I'm an investor. If I buy this thing and I need to sell it, who's going to buy it for me, right? Or how, I, do I, how do I price this thing? Because what are my comps? So yeah, kind of a chicken and egg problem typical to marketplaces. Yeah, I agree with you that it would be a REIT type asset because I certainly don't think it, like the transactional cost of you know, tokenizing a $100,000 single family residential house in Kansas makes any sort of sense. You're going to spend, you know, five times that amount actually doing the tokenization process, right? Um, so it's going to be like, you know, the 200, uh, 500 unit like uh, multifamily apartment building. Um, I just, you know, I, I'm not, I, ha I guess I haven't thought about this enough. I, I'm not sure. I just am not sure it makes sense to like tokenize uh, or fractionalize an existing financial instrument, I, I guess is what I meant. Um, yeah. So well, I think, I think people always look at this from the side of the issuer, right? Of the one issuing the, the property owner, the, the asset manager, they always think of it from, from their side because that's, who you would sell your, you know, your token software to and who would get the infusion of cash. But I think people need to think about the other side. So if yeah. I'm going to be an investor buyer, I want to price this thing fairly. I want comps. Um, I have a fiduciary responsibility, say. And so how do you do that? You take assets that are very vanilla and boring where you can compare it. So there's, I mean, suburban office or apartments where they're, they're almost commodities, right? It's 400 units. Mm -hmm. uh, and that way you could compare it to Seattle, LA, New York, Florida, whatever it is. And you're just looking at a few variables. Um, and that's it. So it makes it much easier to price these things where it's a house in Kansas, an apartment in Seattle, uh, you know, a, a fourplex in New York. There's no way you can value that. By the time you value it, why why do all that work and deal with the infrastructure? So that's why I think it'll be large scale and vanilla assets who, mm -hmm. who sort of a, a, a commodity type of, of property. So, you know, one thing that I don't really hear people talking a whole lot about is, you know, I, I feel like a, everyone talks about AML KYC, but I'm not sure that people have like put two and two together yet and realize that basically once you really tokenize real estate, you are basically, you know, and, and the whole industry is successful, of course, you are basically um, getting rid of the whole money laundering into real estate business, right? It basically becomes virtually impossible to launder money into real estate. Well, you bring up a very excellent point, which is how do you deal with that? Because these are securities. And let's say, you know, I buy this token that's a security interest in a property. Okay, great. And I go to sell that. Um, and I'm going to sell it to you, but you're not accredited investor. So uh, what's going to stop me from selling it to you? Is it on-chain governance? Is there a third party that that also has control of this token and like a multi-sig situation. Everyone forgets the second buyer. 
how do you control for that? Because, I mean, this is more your expertise, but, but how is it done now with securities? Um, that, that's a big question that I don't see these teams answering. Yeah. So like, you know, if you go on E-Trade today, for example, right? Like when, when you register and create an account, um, they do your AML KYC right there, not at the time you're actually like doing a transaction. So basically any transaction that you do through your E-Trade account, it's like, it's good. Mm-hmm. The way I kind of see this being done for real estate and again, like I'm, I'm not a technology guru. You'd have to ask Dan, right? Yeah. But the way I kind of see this being done is like, you know, AML KYC compliance would be coded into the tokens smart contract. And so whenever there is a transfer, it, uh, you know, and, and of course this, this requires a strong identity layer in like whatever protocol you're using. Right. But um, the minute you try to transfer uh, the token to another person, like it would basically be impossible if the wallet or account holder or whatever of the person you're trying to transfer it to hasn't been cleared um, for email KYC or the converse um, you may be ping some database. And if, if the owner of that wallet um, is on the AML KYC list, then it would be basically imp- impossible to transfer it to their wallet. That's, that's kind of how I see it working. But again, like I'm just like shooting from the hip right here. No, no, you're, you're right. So there's, there's two models to do it. The first one is what you described where it's on-chain governance. And there's actually a, a company called Harbor, which I'm sure you're aware of. And that's their model where they say, we're going to use Ethereum smart contracts to enforce KYC, AML, all that uh, regulatory stuff. Um, the other approach is to do it basically, we'd call it off-chain, where you have an exchange that holds the token and they have you know, various customers and they clear these people for KYC, AML and, and all that. So then they say, okay, uh, Amy, we already know who you are. So you're saying you want to buy this token from Ragnar. We've approved you, so we're going to approve the transfer of, of his token that's sitting on our exchange and then transfer it uh, to you. So those are the two approaches, sort of an exchange versus what we would call peer-to-peer, but governed through on-chain. And there's, there's pros and cons to both. So we'll, we'll see you know, how, how that's going to play out. Yeah, which approach takes off. Although, you know, it's interesting because traditionally, at least in the U.S., real estate has been this kind of like, you know, it's, it's one of the major avenues for people who are trying to launder money. So if all this stuff takes off, like those people uh, who are, are usually, who are, you know, using real estate for this, like they've, they've got a lot to lose. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of points to that. First, on the security token side, which is what we've been talking about, um, it, it might still be the same where you, you can't buy shares unless you have been screened for, you know, various compliance issues. Um, but interesting about real estate is that um, I think probably the most powerful lobbying group, um, <laughs> if not the second most, is the National Association of Realtors. Mm-hmm. And, and they managed to sort of carve out a little corner for themselves to where when you buy real estate, I mean, not, we're not talking about REITs or anything, just you're going to buy a condo or a $50 million house. There's not really KYC AML on that. I mean, there's not something active you have to do. 
Um, if you see something shady, you have to report it. Like if you notice the guy buying this is, is Saddam Hussein, um, or if they say, hey, I'm going to buy this to launder my drug money, you have to report it as the real estate broker or the lender, you know, whoever you are as a real estate professional. But otherwise, there's nothing there. You just say, okay, Mr. Buyer, Mrs. Buyer, um, we'd like your offer, you know, send us the funds and here's the paperwork and that's it. So in terms of laundering money, which is a loaded word to me, um, but let's just call it that for now because that's the reality we live in. Um, <laughs> that basically is what a lot of people have done. You're correct. Um, so if you really want to do that with your money, you're not going to buy securities, right? You're not going to buy shares of Apple and you're probably not going to buy uh, real estate security tokens because you have these anti-monitoring money laundering laws. Whereas if you're simply buying a piece of properties in a traditional way, that's a better way to do it. So taking the conversation back to the beginning where we talk about tokenizing the deed, that's where one of the trade-offs uh, you have versus a security. Interesting. Um, I almost think though, that if you're tokenizing a deed that, you know, that, that uh, inevitably that's, you know, the, the whole like anti-money laundering thing, that's the, the reality you're, you're working towards. Like, I mean, and, and actually all this has changed just in the past couple of years, right? I, I think like, what was it, two years ago, there was this huge New York Times um, article about how like all these like Russian oligarchs and, and drug cartels in like Manhattan and Miami were basically, yeah. you know, using like layers and layers of shell companies to to buy and hold real estate. Um, and so, so now Treasury Department actually is monitoring transactions, I think at least in those two markets. But, um, yeah. but I, yeah. yeah. So, so there, as far as I know, it's those two markets, maybe they'll expand and it's above a certain dollar amount. I don't know if it's a million dollars. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's something, but Although you're right. Anything yeah. in Manhattan is above a million dollars. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's effectively that because you're right. I and mean, you wonder why these people were paying ridiculous amounts of money well, now, now we know why. Um, but, but yeah, so there's still, that's, that's a fraction of the market. And so that hasn't really, you know, stopped any, anything there. Uh, but again, you know, buying a piece of property, it's, it's not a security, it's a, it's a piece of property. So it's, it's an interesting uh, thing that's gonna, gonna come up. I mean, I, I don't think tokenizing a deed is, is like the, the best benefit is for laundering money. No, I think it has other benefits, but uh, it is interesting. Interesting. So let me ask you, what, what do you think is necessary or what do you think really needs to get put into place um, in the next couple of years in order for this, this industry to take off? So you need a couple of things. First, you need a couple of companies who know what they're doing. And I, <laughs> I think, believe it or not, I'm usually so critical, uh, but I think there actually are at least two out there that that know and i won't say you know who, who i think they are but let's just say I, I think there are at least two that i'm seeing that are competent good teams you know want to comply with the law have good investors behind them so i think that's that's going to happen but i think the bigger challenge is getting the marketplace um really getting both sides of the order book and convincing uh you know conservative real estate investors to try this new crazy thing because because they're so risk averse 
So I think how it's going to kick off is you're going to have a couple of, of well-regarded names do it first. There, there are actually a number of really tech forward real estate companies. And one of them is going to pull the trigger and say, hey, we're going to do this. We believe in it. We're going to be the guinea pig. And, and once they do that, um, and they're a very reputable company, uh, then I think that's going to what's going to be, you know, to kick it off um, just because of the way real estate works, how conservative it is. Everyone in real estate wants to be like the second or third person to do something because yeah. of the risk factor. Yeah. I'm going to throw in two more ideas into there. One is um, there needs to be a lot more advancement in the user interface and making it super, super easy. Right. Um, because if people are going to be holding tokens, of any sort, um, you know, you, you've got to, to get it to the point where like, you know, like my mom can understand what she's doing and not be like, Oh, private keys. What are those? Uh, Oh, I lost them, you know? Um, so I think that's one thing. And then, and obviously custodians will help with that issue. Um, and I think that the second and not to toot our own horn here is, you know, dispute resolution infrastructure, because I think, you know, like the, the one true thing about real estate is there is always ample opportunity for things to go sideways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, obviously custody custodians are going to have to solve, they're probably going to be the ones that need to solve the user interface problem. People just want to send money and then own something. And they usually have you know, their asset managers deal with it or, or someone else, a property manager. So I think the custodians are going to be, uh, you know, a big part of that. And then to yeah, your second point, I mean, think of all the disputes you've probably seen in real estate. I mean, every flavor and type is going to happen to these assets and maybe new ones that people have never seen. So I, I'd love to hear how you think that could be resolved uh, either with smart contracts or just blockchain in general. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I don't want to just like sit here um, and use use this whole real estate discussion out as a pedestal, but no, like please do because this is important. <laughs> this is actually important because everyone. I actually talked to a real estate attorney, and he said, Ragnar, like I I've, I basically this is what I've done in my career is is you know litigate these things, <laughs> and he's like it's a mess, and he was pretty negative on the whole whole concept. So I would like to actually hear what you have to say about it. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is like, you know, whenever I, I talk to developers and they're like, oh, well, we'll just code for if that happens. I'm like, you, you can't, you know, because like, yeah. like I was general counsel of a real estate crowdfunding platform once and literally the type of stuff you see, like you can't even begin to imagine, right? Like when it comes to real estate, anything goes, it's everything from like pouring cement down toilet bowls to like, you know, people squatting in your property to, um, oh my God, the roof fell in because we had a bad winter to, um, you know, a, a, guy, a guy's wife calling in and being like, what? Like, you know, he, he bought those securities from our joint account. Like mm -hmm. I, I didn't approve that. Like, you know, we want a refund to people being like, oh my gosh, like we have medical we have medical bills. Like, can I, I sell this security to what is it like? Um, you know, it, it's, it's just, you know, there are doctor documents. Like when, yeah. I think when it comes to real estate, 
the one true thing is like you, real estate is where you see it all. Real estate is like this tiny microcosm of watching like everything in humanity as it, as is its fullest. Right. And so like, I can't even begin to imagine trying to code up a smart contract that, that tries to resolve every single possible issue that can come up because you can't like, it's just like, you can't even be that creative. Right. Um, and so, you know, the, the, I think this color is kind of the approach that we've taken at, at my company at, at Sagewise because um, the way that we uh, look at this is, you know, because you can't code for it all um, because you don't necessarily want everything like super automated um, we've taken an approach of, okay, well, we're not going to, uh, sit here and pretend like we can be God, but what we can do is sit here and allow a little bit of humanity, a little bit of human judgment back into this blockchain smart contract ecosystem so that, you know, it's not totally centralized, but you still have a little bit of, you know, human judgment where you, you insert it and, you know, hopefully that can resolve the issue, whatever the resolution to that issue looks like, whether it's a straight up coding bug to, um, you know, like uh, self-resolving. I mean, I've, I've sat there and had to like resolve things where like the FBI came in because the person who bought a piece of real estate um, had like visa or immigration fraud or something like that, right? Like crazy things happen that you would just never think of. So there does have to be, I think, a mechanism at the end of the day that uh, allows uh, for this kind of flexibility, but in a way where it's not like, you know, what's happening right now, which is, you know, people are coding like administrative backdoor into their smart contract. And I'm like, that is terrible. That is like a single point of failure. Like, I don't, I don't know why you, why people are thinking it's a, a good idea, but it's, it's like, it's, it's worse probably than actually having a rigid smart contract. Yeah, I, I think um, I always think of just, you know, multi-signature transactions, Bitcoin, multi-sig transactions, um, where you simply have, you know, two of three or three of five to where, yes, the owner is, is one of has one of the private keys, um, but there's other parties. Um, and that's how you, you know, resolve disputes is, is someone can't transfer an asset without, you know, two, three others you know, signers, maybe it's, it's a law office, it's a government official, it's a broker, it, it's whoever it is. So if there is ever any dispute, all that is done in meet space, off chain, in the court, between attorneys, whatever it is. And then once they decide, then it's kind of a straightforward solution. You then transfer that to whomever wins the uh, dispute resolution process. Um, I, I think that's the most straightforward way to handle disputes and you know multi-sig is a is a smart contract so that's maybe a good place to start it's just dispute resolution is everything is not having to do with blockchain blockchain only comes in to move the asset that seems cleaner um but it's kind of not as sexy and it's not as innovative so we'll <laughs> see we'll see yeah well i think i think you know uh, the, the key takeaway here is like the technology has to be designed around human behavior and how humans actually transact and work, not 
vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I agree. And uh, because you can't plan for all this stuff, you, you have to go back, fallback mechanism, uh, you know, fault tolerance. What's, what's the worst problem that could happen and how would, can we solve it? And the best way is to talk to veteran attorneys who kind of like you have seen it all, done it all, and, and go from there. Uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm afraid. See, I, I love the, having done this for about six years now, I love, I love seeing like all the new startups and energy of, of uh, Bitcoin and finally coming to real estate, but it scares me to death because of there's so many bad projects and bad teams that I'm afraid this is going to blow us up because something bad is going to go wrong or many things, and then it's going to set us back several years. So I, I'm excited but nervous, um, and this is why I'm trying to find good teams and invest in them and try to call out the bad ones, even though it makes me enemies. Um, <laughs> I think it's important. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I, you know, I've gotten so many pitches over the years for a real estate crowdfunding platform, and now the new pitch is like, oh, like – uh, real estate tokenization, you know, whatever platform or whatever. And I'm like, okay, this is the same thing except with a token. And I think one of the most important things is like, have you ever signed a mortgage? Have you ever owned or leased or whatever real estate? Because like, I want to know that you know what you're talking about as opposed to like, oh, like we'll figure it out. Like the, the, the timeline to understand how real estate works like it's a very it's pretty nuanced thing Mm -hmm. you know it's it's it can get pretty complex and i'm like you know this this technology is so rigid it it does not allow for a lot of flexibility flexibility that if you mess up on a lot of things early on if you don't design things the right way you you might be making things worse yeah and you're right that people you know software developers and founders they these guys and, and girls often start from the blockchain world where it's clear for Bitcoin and Ether how that moves, you know, how there's custodianship. Um, it's, I mean, these are basically bare instruments, right? They're commodities. And so they think they could just take that model and apply it <laughs> to things that are uh, not bare instruments, uh, that are super messy and that can't be peer-to-peer, that have all sorts of intermediaries that touch it. I mean, you almost think this could never work together. I mean, they really are opposites, but they can work together, but it takes a lot of experience to, to narrow down, okay, where exactly does, does the blockchain token model apply to this complex real estate uh, ecosystem? And few are able to actually get to that tiny, and it's a tiny, tiny <laughs> point, where, where you could actually apply this. Whereas I see people, oh, we're writing the smart contract platform for searching properties and buying and, pro and paying out dividends. I'm like, there's never, that's never going to happen in any scenario. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure you've heard all the, all the pitches. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And they, and they throw you know, fantastic terms to all the, oh, and, and we're using blockchain and AI and machine learning. And I'm like, oh. And drones, which I'll, <laughs> I actually saw a pitch that included drones in the real estate platform because the tokens would pay for drones to take the pictures, which will give you better data. Like, it's not, <laughs> we're not being like facetious. It, it really is out there. But I think you brought up something uh, interesting, which is crowdfunding and people kind of can confuse, well, what's the difference between crowdfunding and tokenizing real estate? Like there's overlap, but it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like what I'm seeing is, is okay, first we're going to sell these tokens and raise money. Then we're going to go buy assets. And that is a horrible idea. I mean, <laughs> I, right? I mean, you, you've seen how that goes with crowdfunding. And now with blockchain, uh, it's like, no, take an existing asset and do that. Don't, don't collect money from people and then go buy something. You know, the funny thing is blockchain is supposed to be all about trust. But one of the most important things that I think people are forgetting when it comes to, you know, real estate and, and blockchain is you have to trust the sponsor. Mm -hmm. You can't just be like, I want to get into real estate. I'm going to raise a hundred million dollars and then I'll figure out what to do with it. I'm like, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Like, like if people are going to give you money, they want to know that you're going to be a good steward of their money. Yeah, I've seen a number of ICOs that have raised tens of millions of dollars on this model that they raise. They sell these tokens, have a bunch of money. And then I've looked at the teams because they've asked <laughs> me to be an advisor and none of them have operating real estate experience. Like maybe they were worked at like Wall Street who uh, graded REITs, but none of them have, have done due diligence, have developed nothing. I mean, zero. And it's like, I've worked in real estate. It's really, really hard to find a good deal that doesn't lose you money. Yes. That's from professional real estate people who do this all day. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Another scary part. So I, yeah, I think people need to understand, are, is this crowdfunding <laughs> tokens or is this an existing asset? And who's the sponsor? Like maybe we should talk about briefly, like what to look for if you're an investor or a buyer in a startup or the tokens, like what are some, some things to look for legal or, or just otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, and I got the same question when I was in crowdfunding and I'd be like, well, you're supposed to look when you're, when you are due diligence this deal, uh, you are supposed to be looking and asking all the same questions as you would a traditional real estate deal. You know, nothing has changed. Finance is finance, right? Like I talked to someone last week and they're like, oh yes, and it's gonna be great because we're gonna use tokens and and then, you know, it's gonna be like 95% LTV because we're gonna be able to cash people out and get all these returns. I'm like, why in the world, if I were an investor, would I invest in something that's 95% LTV? That is crazy. Yeah, you know, no just way. because you have a token does not mean finance and fundamentals change. Well, at least they know what LTV is. I mean, there's some... Oh, they didn't use that term. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm using that term. Okay. I don't, I'm not sure if they knew the term. Uh, yeah, well, that, that's a good point. People don't even know what LTV is, and they're raising money to do this. Um, yeah, so I would say things to look out for is just look at the team. What is their actual real estate experience? Do they, do, have they operated, you know, real estate? Have they actually done deals? That, that gets rid of a, just a big portion there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So many. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Ragnar, for indulging me in this real estate tokenization nerd out session. Um, Ragnar, how can people find and follow you? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Ragnarly, so R-A-G-N-A-R-L-Y. And then my personal website is just my last name dot I-S. So leaftracer.is, L-I-F-T-H-R-A-S-I-R dot I-S. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm sure, you know, you're going to get a ton of questions from our audience. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Amy. Okay. Bye.